So if you'll recall, a few weeks ago, Jewish community observed the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And I started a mini-series called Reinventing Yourselves because I thought it would be a good idea for us to kind of borrow that holiday. It's a time of spiritual reflection and recommitment to God, which can't go wrong with that. And so I started talking about, from Luke, Sermon on the Mount slash Plain, uh, what can we do to reinvent ourselves? Start a new year, start fresh, start right. So today I'm going to finish up that mini-series. And um, I'm going to start off with a pop quiz. You ready? What kind of tree is that? Oh, you guys are horticulturalist genius. What's the next one? Orange tree. You guys are brilliant. All right, one more tree for now. What is it? See, I thought some of you were going to be fooled by this one. Yeah, I thought some of you were going to say, no, it's pomegranate. I googled, and that's what came up for apple, so I'm going with it. But you know what? When I tried to Google these trees without fruit on them, I didn't know if they were showing me the right trees or not. Because I don't know what a tree is unless it's got fruit on it. Otherwise, I have no idea what kind of tree it is. Now, some fruit trees I've had for years, but still, when they came up on the screen, I was like, yeah... I'm not sure. And I realize that people, for the most part, are like me. If they see fruit on it, they know what kind of tree it is. In fact, even if the tree doesn't exist, if they see fruit on it, they know what kind of tree it is. Next slide. What kind of tree is that? A money tree. Yeah. How many of you got one of those in your yard? I'm coming over for dinner if you do. And I'm not leaving ever. Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. And then he said, a healthy tree does not bear bad fruit, and a good tree doesn't bear, I mean, a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. Every tree is known by the fruit it bears. So you see an apple tree, it's got apples on it, you know it's an apple tree. If the apples are all bad on the tree and the leaves are blighted, you know that's an unhealthy tree. If it's a pear tree, you know it's a pear tree because it's got pears on it. But if all the pears are all nasty, you know there's something wrong with the tree. A healthy tree is known by the quality of its fruit. It's the same with people. The fruit we bear, if it's good fruit, good people. If something wrong with our fruit, or we're not bearing fruit, we're just like trees. So I was thinking about fruit trees in the Bible, and I remembered a famous circumstance with Jesus. Do you remember when he um, went up to a fig tree and it had no figs on it, so he cursed it and it withered away? And he used that as an example to talk to his disciples about faith. But I learned a totally different lesson from it. I'm not saying he intended that lesson. I'm just telling you what I learned from it. So I wrote a little something down so I wouldn't forget. So let me just read to you what I wrote down. One day Jesus was walking along and he saw a fig tree. He was hungry, but the tree had no food on it. So Jesus cursed the tree and immediately it withered away. And the disciples were amazed that it withered away so quickly. And Jesus used this as an illustration of the power of faith. But I learned an additional lesson. The purpose of a fig tree is to provide food. If the tree isn't providing food, it's worthless, and it might as well be destroyed. In fact, it's a mockery. There it sits, with great potential, teasing hungry people, but doing nothing. I think humans are like fig trees. We're also supposed to bear fruit. But what good are we when we don't produce good works? Aren't we a mockery to God, our Creator? We might as well be cursed too. In fact, the Bible tells us we will be. 
But the difference between us and a tree is God loves us. He's much more patient with us than with a fig tree. But the day will come when Jesus will come up to us and look for fruit. And not finding any, this is what he'll say. And I'm quoting now from Matthew chapter 7. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evil doers. So we're not apple trees. How do we know if we're bearing good fruit or not? What is the kind of fruit we're supposed to bear? It's not bananas. Listen to what Jesus said. A good person brings good out of the treasure of good things in his heart. And a bad person brings bad out of his treasure of bad things, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, for us, the kind of fruit we bear is what we say and what we do. The Bible says we're going to be judged on both of those things, what we say and what we do. Uh, let me read to you one of the most famous verses on the judgment for what we do. It comes from Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So it's kind of like, symbolically speaking, perhaps, up in heaven, there's all these books and there's somebody standing over there with a pencil just watching your life day to day to day to day. And every time you do something, notes are taken. For good, for bad, for indifferent, notes are taken. And then on Judgment Day, all those books are going to be opened up and tallied. You're going to get a score. And it's a pass-fail test. There's no curve. Everybody who passes with 100% perfection gets to go into heaven. And everybody who fails goes to hell. Don't cry yet, I'm not done. What we do, we get judged on. Also what we say, Matthew 12, 36 and 37. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Every idle word. It's not talking about the big words, the ones we already know we're going to be judged for. This even says even the idle words, the thoughtless things that come out of your mouth, they get written down too. And they're going to be in the deficit column on Judgment Day. Didn't you look at that person and say, what an idiot? Yeah, I did. Didn't you swear when your boss wasn't listening and call him a bleep? Yes, I did. Didn't you criticize the President of the United States when the Bible says, don't curse the ruler of your people? Yeah, I did that too. List, 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 list. Every idle word men may speak, they will give account for it on the day of judgment. The dead were judged according to those things. 
For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Book of Romans says, Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So by your words you'll be condemned, but for those in Christ Jesus there is no condemnation. So I told you it was a pass-fail test, and obviously everybody's going to fail. So how do we get into heaven? Well, Jesus died for our sins. So the books are wiped clean. It's just stamped with perfect. In a sense, Jesus' book is in heaven too. And obviously there's nothing on the deficit column in his book. He's perfect. So what happens on Judgment Day is our name gets put in his book. That's the book we're judged out of, the Jesus book. And we get off scot-free. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, says the Bible. But for those who are not in Christ Jesus, there's no way of getting into heaven. The deficit column wins. Well, I want to talk about the mouth for a few more minutes. The mouth is the barometer of the heart. It's like we should have this thing sticking out of the side of our face. And when we say something good, one needle should pop. And when we say something bad, the other needle should pop. It, hey, whatever comes out of your mouth, that's a true indication of what's in your heart. That's what Jesus said. So the mouth is the barometer of the heart. Good language or bad language? Kind words or mean words? Compliments or complaints? Complaints. 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 <laughs> Supportive or destructive? Gossip or minding our own business? Clean jokes or dirty jokes? Again, Jesus said, for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I can understand how we'll be condemned by our words. I've been talking to you about that. But how do we get justified by our words? Easy, Romans again. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with a mouth, confession is made to salvation. So how do you get justified by your words? Easy, confess Jesus. Those words will save you. By your words, you can be saved, or by your words, you can be condemned. Words are a powerful thing. And remember, they're just a barometer of the heart. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words can harm, words can heal. And as I said, words can even save. So Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Back to fruit again. I think it's awesome that he uses the word fruit there. So reinventing ourselves, it means we care what comes out of our mouths. It's not easy to control the tongue. In fact, James said people can control almost every beast that's ever lived. We can saddle an elephant. We can tame a lion. But we can't tame our tongues. But we're responsible for trying. For me, everything I've said about the tongue, the best verse in the Bible is Ephesians 4.29. I think it's the most succinct. Here's what it says. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. That's the only verse you need to know about how to talk. 
Don't let anything bad come out of your mouth. In fact, here's a modern translation. Listen. Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words. The kind that build up and provide what's needed so that you will say, so what you say will do good to those who hear you. God gave us mouths so that we might be a blessing with them. And yet we curse with these mouths. James said, brothers, this should not be. Get your mouth under control because from the mouth comes death and from the mouth comes life. Very famous artist right now, Toby Mack, has got an awesome song on the words we use. And rather than just telling you the words, I'm going to let Toby sing it for you. Let's pull up the video, okay? feels perfect other days it just ain't working the good the bad the right the wrong and everything in between yo it's crazy amazing we can turn our heart through the words we say mountains crumble with every syllable broken live or die so speak life speak life to the dead in Other days my thoughts just fall apart I do, I don't, I will, I won't It's like I'm drowning in the deep Well it's crazy to imagine Words from my lips as the arms of compassion Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak life, speak life To the deadest, darkest night Speak life, speak life When the sun won't shine and you don't know why
was perfect. You know, if you like your godly music with a little kick, it doesn't get much better than Toby Mac. So reinventing ourselves has to do with what we say, but it also has to do with what we do. Jesus also said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet don't do what I tell you to do? So then he gave a parable. Let me read it to you. I'll show you what he's like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. However, the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So Jesus tells us what it means to reinvent ourselves, how to live godly lives, and closes, at least for, for now, on what's your house built on? What's your foundation? Do you even have one? Is your house built on a rock, on a solid foundation? Of course, Jesus is the rock. He's the solid foundation on which to build your life. And then he would ask, are you a hearer of God's word or a hearer and a doer? Those that declare publicly who are not ashamed to profess Jesus, listen to what he said. Those who declare publicly that they belong to me, I'll do the same for them before my Father in heaven. But those who reject me publicly, I will reject before my Father in heaven. And then Paul, as I've already read to you, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's it for our mini-series on reinventing yourself. We started with love, and we're leaving with lips. All of the facts from the last three weeks on how to walk better with God and loving our neighbors as ourselves. We're going to be continuing with Luke over the next several weeks, but um, I wanted to leave with that. It's not just all what we do. It's also what we say and how we say it. Several years ago, I gave a lesson on love. And I broke it into an acrostic so I could memorize and help you memorize exactly what love is. Love is patient, and love is kind, and love doesn't envy. P-E-K, patient, envy, kind, peck. Love doesn't peck at people, doesn't bicker and bite. It's nice. So that's how I remembered. Love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't envy. Love, love doesn't brag, isn't arrogant, and it isn't self-edifying. It's not selfish. Base, B-A-S-E. Brag, arrogant, self-edifying. Love isn't base. It's not lowly. It's our highest calling. And a person who is loving doesn't behave as a pig, isn't easily provoked, P. Doesn't behave inappropriately, I. And doesn't hold a grudge. Loving people don't do that. And a loving person isn't a brute. Because love believes all things, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth, and love endures. So if you could remember peck, base, pig, and brute, you can memorize what love is. This is our high calling. This is our calling in Jesus Christ. Please join me in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for showing us what our high calling is, and help us to speak 
life. Help us to make no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, only that which is good to edifying, that which ministers grace to the hearer. Not harmful words, but only helpful words, healing words. You've taught us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Help us to speak life. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to do something special for you. Bow your heads for the Jewish benediction that Moses told Aaron, the high priest, to bless the people with. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. God bless you and I'll see you later.